Would you turn please this morning to the book of James. In uh, previous sessions on Sunday mornings we've been teaching on the subject of prayer. Prayer principles. We believe at the direction of the Lord that this is what we should be focusing on right now. And I believe this is session number 13. That's about right. But we've been studying the subject of prayer, what prayer is, and then most specifically looking at Jesus, who is the ultimate example of a prayer. Right? You won't find a better prayer than Jesus. And looking at how he prayed and how he has taught us to pray, both by his teaching, his precept, and his example. And so we've seen, you know, so many things that he told, he told us to pray in love. He told us to pray in faith. He told us that we must ask. We talked about the difference between asking and requiring in Jesus' name. So there's a time to pray, and then there's a time not to pray, but to say. I understand in Mark eleven twenty three and 24, it didn't say, whosoever will pray, God move the mountain. No, what did it say? This is not prayer. That's you speaking to something. So there's a time to pray, and then there's a time not to pray, but rather to say. We looked at persistent praying. We looked at intercessory prayer. We looked at the prayer of submission. We looked at times when you're not supposed to pray. There are some things you could pray, but you shouldn't. You must be led by the Spirit. There's a time not to pray. We looked at communion with the Father. Last week we looked at... uh, The prayer for regeneration. Now today we're going to go further. And this may be our last one on prayer today. We'll see for now. But um, in Philemon, if you would please turn this morning. Let's look at another area of prayer. So vital. So important. Now if you don't know where Philemon is. Watch your neighbor and see where they turn. (laughs) Of course, they might not know either. (laughs) Anybody know where Philemon is? Yeah, if you know where Hebrews is, you'd be real close. Philemon is right before, immediately before, the book of Hebrews. Just one chapter, and look at verse 4. The Apostle Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers. So what did he pray? Hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. That. Now that refers to what? His prayers. He was praying that. He said, uh, back up to verse 4 now, I thank my God making mention of you always in my prayers. This is not one prayer that he prayed, but many prayers and over a period of time, a lifestyle thing. Praying what? Verse 6, that the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. That's what he's praying. Let me read that to you from another translation. 
He said, uh, praying, this is the English version. He said, every time I pray, I mention you and give thanks to my God. My prayer is that our fellowship with you as believers will bring about a deeper understanding of every blessing which we have in our union with Christ. Everybody said out loud, every blessing which we have in our life in union with Christ. Is that what he's praying for? Now I'm going to skip ahead just a little bit. There is a big error in the church world. Big. It's been existing for centuries. And after I describe it to you, I trust that it gets into your heart and thinking so much that you'll recognize it when you hear it. Because up till now, you might not have noticed it that much. But I trust that after today, you'll identify it and you'll see it and you won't receive it and you won't participate with it and you won't go with it. Denomination after denomination. Charismatics, so-called word and faith people, no different. You hear a constant stream About what we need. So much praying is about what we need. So much of the singing. Listen to the words of so many songs. And so much of it is we need you. We need you. We must have this. We must have that. We need. That is not what the New Testament teaches. Did you hear me? The New Testament does not teach that we need him. It teaches that we have him. Oh, hallelujah. You get this today, friend, it'll turn your life around. I'm telling you. If you begin to look and listen, you'll see what I'm talking about. I mean, the church world is just permeated with this mentality of we need, we need, we must have, oh God. Give us this. We must have this. Give us this. We're in need of this. We want this. A lot of the modern popular songs. The tempo is nice and maybe it's got a nice little groove to it, but it's all about we want. Oh, we got to have. Oh, we need. This is not what Paul prayed. This is not the emphasis in the epistles. What did he say? He said, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you all the time. What? That you would come to know everything that is in you. Not everything that you might get someday by and by. Everything that is in you. Every good thing that is in you. Now. In Christ Jesus. Oh, glory to God. Can you say amen? Do you see this? Hallelujah. Go with me back to Colossians, please. And let's just take some time and look at some of the prayers that they prayed over themselves and that we're taught to pray over ourselves. Colossians and the fourth chapter. Colossians 4. He said, verse 12, Colossians 4, 12, Epaphras, 
who is one of you, a servant of Christ, salutes you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers. This is something that's ongoing. He didn't just pray it one time and that's it. Always laboring fervently for you in prayers. Why? To what end? That you might stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Listen to another translation. The NIV says that you may stand firm in the will of God, mature and fully assured. Did you hear that phrase? Fully assured, fully convinced. Of what? Of the will of God. The English version says that you may stand firm as mature and fully convinced Christians. Say that out loud. Fully convinced. convinced. Of what? Have you heard terminology like that before? Abraham was fully persuaded. Does that mean he was begging, oh, God, give me a boy. Give us a boy. Please, God, help Sarah to conceive. Please. Please. No, after you've heard the word. I said, after you've heard the word and the Lord says, I'm going to visit Sarah, you're going to have a seed. Should be no more asking. To continue to ask after that means you don't believe what he told you. At this point, you must be fully persuaded. Right? That means you're fully persuaded that you have something. Right? You have a word from the Lord. You have direction. You are the present tense possessor of something. Not trying to get it, not hoping, not wanting, not begging, not needing, but having. And you're fully assured. You're confident. Now, go with me to Colossians, uh, the first chapter, please. Let's just take some time and go over some of these prayers. We're here in chapter 4. Let's look at chapter 1. How are we supposed to pray? And as we go through this, you're going to see that you see the same thing again and again. Not just one or two places. Again and again and again. Let's check up. See, are we praying like this? In Colossians 1. Colossians 1, 3. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Praying. And down in verse 9, he begins to describe exactly what he's praying. Verse 9, for this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire what? Now, what's he praying for? That you, now notice, not that God, not that God would do something for you. Did you hear me? But that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. A realization and awareness that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in what? That you know, that you're persuaded, fully assured, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks to the Father which is going to. What? What has 
made us fit to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. And praying that God would deliver us from darkness. Huh? Then why are so many praying for deliverance from darkness? Did you hear me? No. God who what? Has delivered us from the power of darkness. And he has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. In whom we have, not going to get, have redemption through his blood. Even the forgiveness of sins. Do you see it now? What's he praying? That you would know what God has already done. And you'd know what you have. That is one of the biggest things that the church ought to be focusing on. Right? That we would realize. How many understand when Jesus paid the price. When he bore the penalty of sin. When he rose triumphant over death, hell, and the grave. Sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. When he sent the Holy Spirit into the earth. We've got the authority in his name. He said it is finished. What else is he having to do to save us? What else is he having to do? For us to have power. Or us to have authority. Or us to have victory. Or has it been done? Has it been done? Or does he need to do something else to finish it up? It's one of the biggest needs because, see, the problem is we live in a physical world. And the temptation is to walk by sight and not believe it unless you feel it or see it. So many people that I worked with before that were in bondages of different kinds of darkness, habits. And just keep saying, Brother Keith, I've, everybody and their brothers prayed for me and, and I've read the Bible and I've done it. I've begged God, I don't know what to do. And I just can't get free. I just can't get free. What do they believe? They believe they're in bondage. Do they believe this verse? That they have been delivered from the power of darkness. They don't believe that. I said they don't believe that. Why? Because they don't feel free. And they don't look free. And friend, you have to decide, am I going to walk by what I see and feel? Or am I going to walk by faith and believe if he said I'm delivered, then I am. No matter how I feel, no matter how I look, I have been delivered. So you just begin to say, I am free. I am free. What Jesus say? You shall know the truth. Right? And the truth will make you free. And he whom the Son has set free is free indeed. I tell the story about something simple, a habit like smoking. Somebody say, well, I smoke. You got something against that? No, sir. You like to smoke, you help yourself. But if you want to quit, which there are a lot of people that do. I've had people come to me and say, Brother Keith, you know, I've had people pray for me and pray for me and I just can't get free. I mean, I've thrown away cigarettes and thrown away cigarettes and I just go right back and I just, I can't, I've tried and I can't. Well, what do they believe? Why do they believe they're not free? Because of what they see. Because of what they feel. Are they walking by faith? No, they're walking completely by sight. 
This one fellow, I told him, I said, well, will you do what I tell you to do? He said, I don't know if I can, Brother Keith. I've been prayed for. I thought I said, no, I'm not going to ask you to throw away any cigarettes. I'm not even going to pray for you. Will you do what I tell you? He said, if I can, and I quoted this verse to him. He has delivered us from all the power of darkness. I said, this is what you say. Every time that you think about smoking, every time you pull out a cigarette, I want you to say, Lord, thank you, I'm free from cigarettes. I said, when you light it up, you say, thank you, I'm free from He said, well, I'm lighting it. I said, I know. In between drags, you say, thank you, Lord, I am free from cigarettes. He said, well, I'll be smoking. I said, I know. I said, when you go into the store and you buy cigarettes and you come out, when you put them in your pocket or you lay them out on your nightstand at night, anytime you do anything with a cigarette, you say, thank you, Lord, I am free. He said, but I, well, it wouldn't be. I said, will you do it or not? You've tried everything else. Why not do the scripture? You say, I am free. Not trying to get free. Not begging to get free. I am free. He said, yeah, but I'll still be smoking. I said, I know that. Don't be concerned about that. In between drags, every cigarette, every pack, you just say, Lord, I thank you. I am free. I saw him in two weeks. He come in. I didn't have to ask. He was beaming from ear to ear. <laughs> he said, it worked. I said, sure it did. He said, I didn't believe it. I said, well, eventually you must have. He said, in the beginning, he said, I think this is stupid. I'm smoking. And I'm saying, I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. He said, but I just did it. I just did it. He said, I kept doing it night and day, night and day. And he said, I was standing on the sidewalk, smoking a cigarette and saying, you know, I said it so much night and day till it was just almost second nature. And it dawned on me, I'm free. And I put it out and it was the last one. He said, no struggle. He said, I'm free. I'm free. What happened? He began to believe that he was free instead of what he's seeing. Let me ask you a big question this morning. Are you saved? Are you? How many believe you're saved? I mean, you died today, you'd go home to be with the Lord. Okay. Why are you saved? I'm not playing games, I'm serious. Why are you saved? You said you believe you're saved. Why are you saved? Why? So, you know, because Jesus paid the price for my sins. Well, then everybody's saved, right? Because he paid the price for everybody's sins. Uh-uh. No. you got to believe it. Right? Do you always feel like the righteousness of God in Christ? <laughs> Do you always look like you are the holiness of the Lord? Do you always feel like that there is no sin attributed to you, that you are clean and without spot or blemish? No. But then why do you believe you're saved? You are saved based upon what Jesus has done for us because you believe you are. Not trying to be. Not going to be. I've heard people say, well, you know, I'll do the best I can and we'll just see when we get there. Well, then you're lost. No. Got nothing to do with works and how good a life you can live. We're saved by grace, 
through faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. You believe you are, though you don't look like it or you don't feel like it. You believe you are. I said you believe you are. How many believe you're saved? I'm fully convinced I'm saved. Not because I've done everything right, but because Jesus paid the price and I have received it and I believe it and I am. Not trying to be. Not maybe someday, some way, somehow, get there. No, am. Am. It's not by my works. He's already done it. I said he's already done it. Well, friend, we got to get the revelation. Everything else is that way too. Everything else is that way too. Healing is that way. Prosperity is that way. Protection is that way. Everything else is that way. Everything. Prosperity. The scripture said, Jesus, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. So that you through that poverty might be what? Rich. Well, are you? See, that was a little weak, wasn't it? Are you rich? How many understand millions and millions of Christians would not tell you they're rich? They'd go, well, no, we do okay, but you're just as rich as you are righteous. It's not based on what you see and feel, but what if everybody began to believe, I'm rich. I call, I'm rich. I'm saved. I'm righteous. What about healing? Hmm? Is that based on what you see? Is that based on what you feel? Is it based on reports? Or is it by stripes you're healed? Is it still true no matter what you see or what you feel? Can you call yourself healed when you don't look like it, when you don't feel like it? Is this the requirement of the church that we not just beg God to do something for us, but come to believe what we have? What is ours? He has delivered us from all the power of darkness. Well, then why I've talked to people, I don't mean one or two, many, many over the years come to me with fear and trembling in their voices. And they say, Brother Keith, Brother Keith, I think people are working witchcraft in my apartment building. I think they put a hoodoo on me. I think, well, then do they believe they've been delivered from all the power of darkness? No, they're scared of it. They're in fear. I got a curse on me. I think it's generational. It probably goes back a hundred generations. I don't know. Oh, Brother Keith, get this curse off of me. Well, if you're not going to believe this, how are you going to believe me? Right? What's it going to take before you believe you are delivered? Can you answer that? What's it going to take before you believe you are free? What are they waiting on? Seeing and feeling. When they see it and when they feel it, they're going to believe it. Any sinner down the road can do that. Requires no faith at all. You must believe it when it doesn't look like it. You must call it that way when it doesn't feel like it. Right? No. What the scriptures say? How can you curse whom God has blessed? I'm the blessed of the Lord. You can't curse me. Brother Kenneth Hagin, my spiritual father. Uh, years ago, he was preaching in a place, and the minister caught him afterwards and said, uh, Oh, Brother Hagin, he's whispering. Oh, Brother Hagin, Brother Hagin, you know, you said something about so-called prophetess today. He said, uh, she was here. He said, really? He said, yeah, you better apologize to her. He said, she'll put a curse on you. <laughs> well, now, what kind of prophetess is that? That sounds like a witch, don't it? I mean, 
He said, oh, Brother Hagin kind of laughed. He said, nah. He said, oh, Brother Hagin, she's cursed some other folk around here. Some of them are dead. Brother Hagin reared back and said, I double dog dare her to curse me. Amen. Double dog dare. Well, what does that, now what does that tell you about him though? Huh? Does he believe he has been delivered from all the power of darkness? Right? Does he believe he is blessed? Yes. 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 Look at this. Colossians 1. In whom we what? Verse 14. We what? We have redemption. Glory to God. I know that even now this morning we are bucking up against centuries of tradition. Huh? And the thing is, people... Because of so little faith and so little spirituality, they're just completely walking by sight. And so what they don't see, they go, oh, we need it. We don't have it. You know, I know I grew up in Pentecostal circles. And uh, I love those folk and got so much good things out of it. But I didn't uh, receive the Holy Spirit as a young person. Didn't know how. All we knew was to tarry. Weren't really taught how to receive. And so we did a lot of tarrying. And uh, I mean, when Phyllis and I first got married, I got hungry for God, and all I needed to do was tarry. And man, we tarried, brother, we tarried. <laughs> and I mean, the men would get on one side of the altar, and the, I'm not making fun, this is just all we knew. And I was right in the middle of it. And the men would gather and hold on, they'd spit in your face, and they'd yell, Turn loose, brother, turn loose. Somebody'd say, Hold on, brother, hold on. Let him have it and take it. And, and uh, that's all we knew. And looking back, I eventually received, thank God, not that way. I never received that way. But one time, looking back, I just shook my head and laughed at myself. Because we're all up at the altar. I mean, we've been there for like three hours. Terry. And the brothers were all around me, you know, and, and trying to help me. You know, thank God for their heart. Amen. And... Uh, I mean, I begin to sense the presence of God so strong. It just got stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. I, you know, I can't pray in tongues, so I just got to pray with my feeble understanding. So I said, oh, God, give me the Holy Ghost. Oh, God, give me the Holy Ghost. And I'm just doing this hour after hour. Oh, God. And I heard kaploomp, kaploomp. And I mean, the presence of God is so strong till I'm draping over the altar. I can't even hardly raise my head. And I open my eyes and all the men have fallen out. All I mean, they're all falling out. And I'm just draped over like a wet dish rag. And I didn't receive that night. And looking back, I just said, dummy. How dull can you be? Because I'm going, oh God, give me the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is all over us. He, everybody's falling out of the power. He's going, hello. Hey, it's me. I'm here. And I'm still going, I can't even raise my head. Oh God, give me the Holy Ghost. Give me, he's going, here I am. Well, friend. That is the case 
in situation after situation after situation. Oh, God, heal me. Oh, God, heal me. Please heal me. Please, I'll try to live better. I'll try to do better. Please heal me. Is that believing you were healed? You are not believing. When are you going to believe you're healed? Do you hear it? When people are doing that, when are they going to believe they're healed? When they see it. When they feel it. So they are refusing to walk by faith. Right? When are you going to believe you got it? Area after area after area, you will see breakthroughs. You will see changes when you begin to say, it's mine. I have it now. Jesus bought it and he paid for it. It's mine. I am forgiven. I am cleansed. I am made righteous. I am made holy. I am healed. I am protected. I am delivered. I don't care if you're mainlining heroin. I don't care if you're snorting coke or crack or smoke. Whatever it is, if you begin to say, I'm free. He has delivered me. I'm free because of what Jesus has done. It's not mind over matter. It's God has already taken care of the matter. And you believe you receive. It's mine. I am free. You claim that money and you say that money's coming. I have it. I had not trying to get it, not begging for it, not pleading. I have it. I have it. I have it. Go to Ephesians 3, please. We've already seen case after case. Here's some more. Ephesians 3, 14. 3, 14. He said, for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. How many believe we are family? Yeah. Part of the family is in heaven. Part of the family is on the earth. We're all one family. That he would grant you. Now what's he praying? What's he praying? That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. To be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts. That you being rooted and grounded in love. All the strength is for what? That you may be able to comprehend what does that mean that you could understand it that you would know it that you would realize it and experience it comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and the what to what that you would know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. When you're full of love, you're full of God. Amen. Right? Yeah. And didn't the Bible say that, you know, if you know God and you're full of love, that you have no fear in you. Amen. Right? Perfect love does what? Cast out fear. So then you don't have to run around the country and get prayed for to get delivered from your fear. Did you hear me? No. You get full of love. You're automatically free from all fear. Glory be to God. Now to him that's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages world without end. Amen. Listen, listen, the word of the Lord. There's people in here, you've been so frustrated, you've been so vexed, you've cried, you've talked, you've counseled about your financial situation, but you've not done this. 
You've not cast your cares on the Lord and said, that's it. It's done. The money's coming. It'll be done. I call everything paid for. It's done. It's done. Do it today and you'll see major change in one week. What are you saying? Not what I'm saying is what the Lord said. Do it today. Do what? Do what? Quit begging. Quit crying. Quit pleading. Quit looking at other people thinking what they ought to do for you or what they hadn't done or this or that. No, you have been delivered from every work of the enemy. The Lord's told you that he supplies all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Right? Believe it right now. Release your faith and say, it's going to be fine. We're going to be fine. I call every debt paid off. I call it done. And breathe a sigh of relief. And cast the care of that thing over on him and say, it's done. It's done. Say it out loud. It's done. It's done. done. What does that mean? Paid off. Caught up. Done. Done. So we're coming out. It's done. But see, if you go back and you keep taking it and go, what am I going to do? Then you don't believe you've done anything with it. You don't believe he's done anything with it. When are you going to believe it's done? Well, when I see the money, yeah, I know. Any sinner can do that. Right? You got to believe before you see. That's what believing is all about. You don't see it, but you believe it. It hasn't happened in the natural, but you count it done. I said you count it done. Glory to God. Go back to the first chapter, please. Oh, God is so good. Is this New Testament praying? Hmm? Can you improve on this? Can you find better than this? Do you understand what we said to you earlier? And you watch and you'll see. Now, don't make fun of people and don't be down on people. Don't judge people. But as you grow in this, your ears will be open and you will hear that all around you, Christians are begging God. And they're praying about what they need and they don't have and we must have and we must get and we want. And it's all need, 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 need. Oh, we need a fresh anointing. Oh, we need a move of the Spirit. Oh, we need, we must have. God, give us your Spirit. He has. Oh, God, give us power. He already has. Oh, God, please heal us. He already has. Did you hear me? But see, what are people doing? They are so feeling oriented, they're not going to believe anything's happening till they see it. Or till they feel it. So they keep pleading and pulling, wanting to see something, wanting to feel something. But that's not how it works. You don't, you know, see it and then believe it. You believe it. That you have it. Then you see it. Are you with me? Now, don't take my word for it. You say, well, I don't know if I agree with you, Brother Moore. You don't have to agree with me. But the Bible now is another thing. Right? That is the big issue. How many believe we ought to pray like these scriptures dictate? Like they show. Pray just like this. Ephesians 1, are you here? Ephesians 1, verse 16. He said, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may what? May give to you what? The Spirit of of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened so that you would what? No. no. Can you see? We've seen it over and over and over again. What is the big deficit in the body of Christ? People don't know what God's done for them. Amen. People don't know what's already been bought and paid for in redemption work. That you would know 
No, what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Do we have anything? Have we been given anything? Yes. Have we? Yes. He said, I'm praying that you'd find out about it and that you'd know the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. That you would know what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and he set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and ever name this name not only in this world but also in that which is to come and he's put all things under his feet and he gave him to be the head over all things to the church which which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. God's not struggling with demons. God's not struggling with cancer or AIDS. God's not struggling with high blood pressure and heart problems. He's already put it down. He's not struggling with sin. He's already done it. Done it. What remains for us but to receive and believe and count it done. And give thanks and praise God. And shout because the victory has already been won. Hey. Woo. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We're not in the struggle to obtain salvation. Jesus did that. He did it. Successfully. Keep reading. All this goes together. And you hath he quickened. Right? Who were dead in trespasses and sins. Skip on down in verse 4. But God who is rich in mercy. For his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins. He what? Has. Past tense. Has quickened us together with Christ by grace you are are saved and he what has raised us up together and in other words has made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come what's going to happen he's going to show well there's a whole lot of praying about showing Right? Seeing and knowing and being revealed that he might show it the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. I mean, in the ages to come, we're just going to keep on finding out what we have in Christ Jesus. Riches. Riches. And we don't have to put it off till heaven. I mean, we can walk in victory right here and now. It's already been bought and paid for. How many can testify with me? There was a time when I didn't know I was healed. Right? I didn't know. There was a time I had not a clue I was righteous. Right? There was a time I didn't know that I was rich. I didn't know. But oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad I found out. I said, I'm so glad I found out. You know, Brother Hagin again, Kenneth Hagin, my spiritual father, he tells the story about how a, a lady was uh, crippled and debilitated in her lower limbs and how that through the meeting some things came out and she came out of a chair and she walked and she was healed. I mean miracle. Everybody knew. Miracle. And somebody went around and said, you know, that fellow Hagen healed that woman last night. 
And he told them, he said, nah, nah, Jesus healed her thousands of years ago. She just found out about it last night. <laughs> How many understand that there's people all over this planet in sin, in darkness? Are they waiting on the Lord to save them? Certainly not. Certainly not. Their price for all their sins have already been paid for. They just either are ignorant of it or they just refuse it. But they could receive right now and be completely free. It's already been done. It belongs to them. So they're not waiting on him to save them. And in Christendom, people are not just waiting on God to do something. He's already done it. We must believe that we receive. I believe right now is a good time to act on this. Everything we're talking about has been bought and paid for by the shed blood and the broken body. Right? How many believe peace of mind, forgiveness of sin, healing, deliverance, prosperity, healing, everything has already been bought and paid for. It's ours for the receiving. Right? Well, as we partake of the communion elements, let's by faith partake of what they represent and whatever it is we require or desire, let's believe we receive. I believe this can be a time of great miracles right now that as we receive these elements, we're receiving anointing, healing, wisdom, deliverance, because it's already been given. Glory to God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.